0: Welcome to TSOH Weekly. My name is Alex Morris of the TSOH Investment Research Service. With me, with me as always, Francisco Oliveira of Arlovino Capital Management. Today's topic is Netflix. Before we jump in, uh, just a quick update on the podcast that we, reported, we recorded last week, uh, where Francisco and I talked about a few companies that we were looking forward to uh, some not- notable developments as they got into their Q3 earnings, and uh, it didn't take long for two of the names that we discussed, DG, had a Uh, CEO change back to the former CEO, Todd Vassos. And then uh, last night, we're recording this on Thursday, Disney released the ESPN disclosures that Francisco told us about. So uh, needless to say, we're going to have some uh, some material to work with as we look to podcasts in the weeks ahead. Uh, But to today's topic, we're going to talk about Netflix and specifically the company's uh, operating margin profile. And uh, to introduce the discussion, I think it's worthwhile to look at a comment from CFO Spencer Newman, at the Bank of America Bank of America conference that took place in mid-September where he said, given our scale now at roughly 20% operating margins, I don't think it's really prudent for us to keep growing at three percentage points of even margin per year. That would probably constrain the business too much on the growth opportunities. So we'll grow margins more gradually. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know, the company had, had been guiding to kind of all at around 300 basis points a year over a, a multi-year period uh, for some time. So this is a, a bit of a shock, you could say. The stock has fallen about twenty percent over over the month or so after that statement was made. But but then we got the company's Q three earnings yesterday. So Francisco, why don't you take it from there and talk about some of the new information that we that we received last night?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I and the only thing I would add is, as at the same time, I think Spencer Newman, Netflix CFO kind of tempered a little bit the the expectations for the advertising tier and revenue and at the same time a couple of weeks ago we had uh, the head of the advertising business was effectively fired and replaced um so that didn't breathe a lot of confidence either for investors but you know Netflix had given that that previous 300 basis points per year um, of operating income margin expansion and it'd be basically you know growing nicely. Uh, margins over time and as we got the the growth um I guess I would call it growth hiccup uh, over the past year or so and the Netflix stock you know imploding in in 2022 um management had to basically reset reset expectations crack down password sharing release the ad to your their pricing um and operating income margins declined from like roughly 21 percent in 2021 to roughly 18% in, in 2022, and the company had guided to up to 20% this year, which they're meeting, and, and investors had expected that, but then basically they want to see a cadence from there. Um, but when when they reported earnings last night, um, they basically said that operating margins would expand from 20% this year to 22% to 23% next year, uh, which is you know, pretty healthy and no indication that that's not going to necessarily continue. I think what they did say is, you know, I like this quote from, from, I'm paraphrasing from Ted Sarandos, where he's like, we're going to invest in content half a step ahead of revenue, meaning that, you know, they're going to balance both uh, investments with with basically harvesting um, some of the revenue in the business. So I think, I think last night's results, um, maybe a relief, um, and maybe, you know, I think even in that conference, the CFO went back and talked about that. There's still a huge opportunity to grow margins. I just think a little bit more clarity, Hey, next year is going to be better. We're still in a good trajectory, um, password crackdowns working, you know, revenue growth is accelerating. It's now in double digits, um. And they're on a path to to continue to execute. They have to balance subscriber growth, pricing, and we can talk about pricing. I know you had a lot of good thoughts on Netflix pricing. And and they have to balance content investments and harvesting. But they're in a position of strength, particularly when most of the competition is is restructuring their businesses. And they even mentioned the shareholder letter that they're going to look to opportunistically um, license hit content from their competitors. Um, at a time where they're mostly retreating so their options to invest are growing their competition is really and I think they gave us a more balanced view of, of how they're they'll continue to grow and grow profitably over time
0: yeah I think that last comment is particularly important especially now that now that we see the the results for the quarter and and the early 24 guidance and I I do wonder in some ways if if they're if they're just saying, hey, we want to be opportunistic as as the industry continues to you know go through a pretty tumultuous period currently. I mean the strikes are obviously incredibly important in terms of ability to to have new content as we as we look out to hopefully just the months ahead, but we'll see how things go, given that it seems like there's a pretty decent divide between the two parties at this point in time. But the other big part of that is having the flexibility on on the ability to license content from other media companies that are, um, to put it nicely, we'll say, taking a bit of a step back from the idea of going all in on on direct-to-consumer, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, we've basically seen um, when the streaming, quote-unquote, streaming wars happened, basically everyone stopped licensing content to Netflix. I mean, not everyone, but, you know, Disney basically took their content off Warner Brothers Discovery um, took their content off. Par- a lot of the Paramount content started coming off. Um, Universal content uh, was rejiggered. Um, the only one that really stayed in was, was Sony for the most part, and they have a, a big deal with Netflix. Um, but now we've seen Warner Brothers content, and particularly some H- HBO shows, um, come into Netflix. We've seen some of the Paramount lo- libraries start to to creep back in um and more um, much more openness from from all companies including disney to license uh content so i think netflix is in a situation where now everyone needs licensing dollars but they can be very very selective in terms of what they pick um and and i think it's it's really interesting you know i think suits correct me in my room suits was at on peacock prior to netflix licensing it so suits was on peacock I'm, i'm pretty sure it had minuscule viewership and then you know comcast which owns universal um basically decided it's like hey like you know maybe we can get some money out of this and you know i think netflix i don't think broke had to break the bank to to pay universal and uh they paid for licensing of suits which i still think might be available on Peacock. I have to double check on that. It might not be a fully exclusive deal, um, and it's a super breakout hit. It was mentioned all over the year. He's calling the shareholder letter, which it's not a a place where they typically talk about um, specific content from other parties. Um, so you know they're 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 in a pretty good position, and they also took advantage. Netflix was you know having trouble to really kickstart their. Their animated film business, um, and then we've seen them. Um, they have laid off people. They shut down some projects. But when, when Skydance Animation's project, uh, deal with with Apple, basically, I don't know what we don't know, really know what happened there. But that deal broke a- apart, and it's led by John Lasseter on the Skydance side, who, who used to run Pixar and Disney Animation. When that deal broke apart, Netflix was able to, you know, come in and and scoop that deal. So I think they're they're in a pretty good you know position now to to um, license and acquire content, but on a selective basis because they're they're the main scaled buyer that that uh can get the audience um and 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 monetize this content better than anyone.
0: Yeah, this is a little bit of an overstatement to frame it this way, but you go back 12, 18 months ago and the narrative is if from Netflix's perspective, you can't grow subscribers. The cost of content is perpetually increasing at very significant rates. A lot of the great franchises, uh, are, are no longer accessible to you because they are going exclusive to their parent owners DSC platforms. And now you fast forward to today, we're going through, through strikes and, uh, you know, things that are limiting the ability of new content production as we, as we look. To the months and quarters ahead. At that same time, you're reporting some of the best subscriber growth that you've you've reported in a while, particularly in a region like UCAN, as I'll discuss in, in Monday's write-up. Um and you have competitors cl- slash suppliers who have never been more interested in giving you content that uh maybe is not being uh branded as their, their best IP today, but I would argue some of this content was considered pretty high on the uh, quality list uh, not too long ago.
1: Yeah, well, I think that's a good place to end.